0: Hi, my name is Abby. I am part of the team here at SBS, and I'm really excited to be speaking to you today, continuing our summer series on John 6. Today we're looking at John 6 verse 51 to 58 and I'm going to start by reading that to you. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this whilst teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. In the 21st century we have the benefit of reading the Bible, of reading Jesus' words with hindsight, with a wider context, with over a thousand years worth of other people's explorations, studies and commentaries. We have so much help in understanding what any of this means. And yet how often do we read a passage and we just think, what? When I first began prepping this talk I was so caught up with just how many times it used the word flesh. That, to be honest, I could barely concentrate anything else. And these are words and concepts that are not dissimilar to me. But still I find myself distracted and uncomfortable. So no wonder it says that the Jews began to argue amongst themselves. So just picture for a minute the people in the room with Jesus at this moment. The people who just a few verses previously had said, What sign sign then will you give so that we may see and believe you? They said to Jesus, what will you do? They recalled the stories that their ancestors told of God providing for his people by making it rain down bread, and they wanted that. They asked Jesus, what sign are you going to give us? What are you going to do? Make us believe in you. They said this to the man that they had just seen walk on water. They said this to the man that they had just seen feed 5,000 people. And even with all of that fresh in their minds, they have the audacity to ask for more. And Jesus gives this quite cryptic response. Anyone who has ever spoken to me for more than 20 minutes probably knows that I have a real heart for Romania. I go out there every year to spend time working with my friend's charity called Cry in the Dark, who provide care for children and adults with terminal and life-limiting illnesses. We also spend a lot of time working with the families at a gypsy village called Nagastalui. We do building projects there, we run children's clubs, and every Christmas, every single child there, over a thousand of them, receive a named shoebox, a gift made specifically for them. We've been doing this for about 10 years. They know us, they know our names, they know when to expect us. And yet every time we take craft materials to run children's clubs, they steal them. Every year we go round to make sure we have all the correct details for the children's Christmas presents. And they lie to us and they invent new children. And every time we go, we take off our jewellery and we hide our phones and our bags in the van because we know that they will try and steal them from us. Every time we do anything, they ask us for more. And we don't really blame them for any of this. They are so grateful for all that we do. But they are also so scared that any time we visit could be the last. So they steal the crayons because they don't trust there will be enough to go around and they can't trust that we'll be back. They lie to us about how many kids they have. Because they're scared that what they receive won't be enough. And they try and take our stuff because they are so desperate for everything that we have. Even though we give so much to them and we love them so much, they fear that one day we won't come back. And so they grasp at all they can once they have the opportunity to do so. And I wonder if perhaps this is how the disciples feel in this moment when they're speaking to Jesus. They have witnessed the first-hand provision of Jesus. Their doubt lies not with his ability, but his availability. They know what he can do, but they question whether and when he will. They need the assurance not of his power, but of his provision. They are scared that all they've seen could be a one-off, that this amazing man they've given up so much to follow, he could leave them that maybe he really is too good to be true. So they ask for bread from heaven, a repeat of what they learnt from their ancestors, the 40-year promise and provision of God, of food raining down every morning, his way of daily saying, I am here and I'm giving you tangibly what you need. They ask for a repeat of this daily provision so they too would know that Jesus was with them always. And I want us to think this morning of how often is this our own approach to Jesus in prayer? Do we treat each gift from God as if maybe it could be a one-off? Do we think of his ways as one size fits all? Do we treat seeing as believing? Our God is a creative and surprising God who is beyond our wildest dreams. And yet the disciples ask for a repeat as if there was nothing more, as if the best had already come. They look back at the miracles of others and they say, that's what we want, that's what I want. What Jesus offers here is so much greater than that. It is not a miraculous lunch for a crowd and it's not a glutinous rain for a generation, but the provision and the promise that would last forever. He says, have me, consume me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Consume not just what I provide, but who I am. The last few weeks we've heard Nikki and Michael explore the previous passages in which Jesus talks of being the bread of life. But today he goes one step further. He is not just giving bread, but he is giving his life. He says, feed on me. This is no longer about what he will tangibly provide for them. But he is offering up his whole life, his whole being to them. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. This is not a one-sided relationship with a God who lives in the sky and grants our every command. This is a living, intimate, personal relationship with the one who not only gives but gave up everything to be with us and to remain with us and in us for eternity. They were asking for a miracle, and they were given a miracle maker. They asked for provisions, and they were given a provider. And yet, I think maybe there was some disappointment in the room when Jesus said this, that some of us might be able to relate to. A disappointment born out of a miscomprehension of what's being offered. Disappointment in thinking that we know what's best. It's like that old saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. True as that is, in that first moment of asking, that man is hungry and he is looking for a meal and not a lesson. Do we have the foresight to see beyond the answer that we expected? How often have we been disheartened in prayer as we ask for healing, for answers, for a tangible response, and we don't see anything. We don't receive the thing that we asked for. They wanted to see the answer to their prayer. Now, we have a heads up on the disciples here, because we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus takes all of our sin and shame upon himself. He takes it to the cross and he dies with it. He leaves it with death and he raises again in new life that we all get to be a part of, blameless and perfect in his sight. We know what was to come for Jesus. The disciples didn't. They had to decipher these cryptic messages, not knowing all that Jesus would do for them. They didn't know the end of the story and so to them I wonder if this might have seemed like a letdown. Do we ever feel let down by Jesus because we haven't yet seen the end of the story? We don't know what more he's got planned, what more there is to come for us. And so when we don't get the immediate answer to prayer that we asked for, we feel disappointed and unfulfilled. But Jesus here is shifting their perspective and their priorities. He's challenging their view of him. He says, instead of celebrating what I've done, celebrate who I am. This is a challenge not just for them, but for us today. He offers up not a meal, but a life. Not just a short-term provision, but a lifelong relationship with the one who in time will provide our every need. So my challenge to us this morning is to feed not just on the provisions of God, but on who he is as our saviour as our father, as our friend, as our ultimate provider. I'm going to end by praying for us. Lord, I thank you today for all that you have and all that you will provide for us. But more than that, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you took our sin, our shame and our helplessness to the cross with you. Let us today focus less on our requests, but more on our relationship with you, knowing that in you, we have everything that we could ever need. We apologize for the times that you haven't been enough for us, the times that we have felt let down. In the disappointments and the unfulfillments of life, we trust in you that the end of the story is so much greater than we ever could have imagined. And we apologise for ever doubting this. Let us be daily fed by you and help us to never take this for granted. Amen.